Welcome to the Beth and Kelly Show, a weekly Facebook Live conversation between Beth Fortune and Kelly Klingen. That's me. And we've made it into a podcast. Beth Fortune currently serves as Education Director at Wintergrass, the National American String Teachers Association Board, and Chair of the National Council for Orchestral Education. I currently serve as Education Director at Jazz Ed the Washington president at Jazz Education Network and Jazz Curriculum Officer for Washington Music Educators Association. We have a platform and we really want to leverage it for positive change. Please hit us up. Let's have a conversation and uh, let's move our practice as music educators forward. Cool. Wintergrass um, took place last week and it was epic beyond all measure because it's always uh, epic jenny have you ever been to wintergrass i have not but i've heard beth talk about it uh, when we first met on that project yeah Mm -hmm. it is it is um kind of a large scale indoor now back in person um acoustic music festival that happens in the pacific northwest every february at the bellevue hyatt and um it was the most epic homecoming, I'm calling it a homecoming, um, of music coming together and um, it culminated, well, we had many different youth programs that we got to run again, which was also wonderful to get kids back in-person learning at this festival. And then we culminated with the most epic um, Wintergrass Youth Orchestra that we've ever had. The, 12th year running of this event and um it was just special but beyond all measure um and the kids just brought it and it was Was it even more epic than the year that Rashad was in the holster and he was like levitating above the orchestra okay we didn't have you know like levitating cellist but okay but it was that level of epicness it was that level of epicness I would say the audience was levitated by the beauty of the music that was being produced and it was just it was beautiful and awesome and then it was over and I was like man now that winter grass is over I can breathe but that's not the case so things are still crazy things are still happening every 10 seconds something new is happening so um but here we are you know and like it's March we made it across the break. The spring is starting. And some of you are probably sitting there right now thinking to yourself, it's March and I haven't had one playing test. (laughs) It's March and oops, I haven't entered anything into the great book yet. Yeah. So that's why we have our guest today, Dr. Jenny Neff. She is the music ed you're the director of the music ed program, right? I am. Yes, I was given Tell some. Tell us all the stuff. Tell <laughs> us yeah, yeah. So that includes overseeing the summer music studies, the MM that has about seventy-five students in it, the MAT, which is our during the year program for Master of Arts in Teaching for Music, a one-year program, and where people get their teaching cert, and then our undergrad minor. Um, so yeah, some extra responsibilities added to my plate this year, but I'm loving it, but it is, it's a lot. It's yeah. A lot. 
That's a that's lot. a big old job, Jenny. Yeah, <laughs> I know. We all, um, we all have our side hustle too, you know. So I'm still conducting and yeah, doing adjudications and clinics and all that fun yeah. stuff that you gals do too. And yeah, uh, you know, it's it's fun, but yeah, it's like ooh, I need a little break. Yeah, for sure. And then we're all kind of just sitting here and it's March and we're like, probably need to get a playing test in the books. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, we, we wanted Jenny to come and talk to us because um, as you can tell, UArts is a humongous music ed program. Um, there are 75 people right now enrolled in this program to become music teachers. And well, actually, those are already MMs who are already teachers, oh. but they come back and do their masters. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's still, that's still a lot of masters thesis papers to read. Yeah. Yeah. So then, and then you have a whole undergrad thing too. Yeah. yeah. Like, so this is a music teacher factory, people. And <laughs> um, who better to talk to us about assessment than a person who teaches people to assess? Um, and yes. That's what the conversation is going to start to be about. Who yeah. knows? We sometimes we tangent things sometimes, but um, the topic of assessment is a it's it's a nut to crack. It's something to get into. Dude, and I think that more than any single element of being a music teacher that I have, ne I've never felt like I've gotten right is assessment through from the beginning until now maybe some blips of success some good ideas but i don't think i have i'm actually positive that i have not been able to capture my value system um for student learning in my grade book and help me I, i'm <laughs> yeah. just wondering if perhaps your values conflict with maybe what you and I, Kelly, were taught when we were college students about what we're supposed to be assessing a little bit. They rub, uh, they almost never meet. They never Every meet. once in a while they can meet, but rarely, um, or like what I think is worthy of assessment or what should be assessed as art or like, what is that line between, you know, making sure that our um, students are incentivized or maybe rewarded in, I mean, I wouldn't choose grades as the system to do that, but that's where we're at. Um, so like, but I want, wanting to capture lifelong music making skills um, and like, a lot of times technique in the beginning, especially like in that first year of learning, technique is tightly wound in there and repetition. So yeah. like with practice or just playing a lot at school or something, um, but repetition, um, but because you want to set students up to be successful for as long as they want to be with music, right? So that's usually simple things like feed, on the floor, hip width apart, you know, sitting up straight and breathing deeply and looking at the person who's in charge, you know, these types of basic 
things, fundamental skills on your instrument. I think it'd be hard to argue that we should be teaching trombonists to blow through the bell instead of the mouthpiece because it's creative. Like, I'm not saying that, but uh, I don't think, I think the technique is way too wrapped up in our grade books. I don't know. I, I need to stop talking yeah. because my thoughts are real jaggedy on this whole. <laughs> You're going to go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, first thing for, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm happy yeah. to see both of you and I'm glad to be here. And, you know, I'm by no means consider myself an expert more than either one of you or anyone in our field because I think we're all like constantly working on this and perhaps struggling with this and maybe even second guessing it which we can get into I, I will say that when you said we're going to talk about assessment and on the east coast it's Friday night yeah. I did ask one of my colleagues to um, give a special recipe um, so this is a french martini um, which has yes. grapefruit a little vodka you can make it you know uh, non-alcoholic if you'd like um and can we call uh, it the beth and kelly show martini yeah, yeah. And can we put that recipe with shout outs to both of you yeah in our can, first book. we can put it in the Thank notes you. yeah absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> actually we have someone who uh in our school who specializes in mixology on our music staff and so he has quite a list there is a dr j drink as well but I chose the um, I chose the French martini tonight because we're talking about assessment and it's like heavy duty stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I think, you know, I think one of the things Kelly's already talking about, you know, and I've done like sessions on assessment and one called assessment makeover, where you bring your mm -hmm. current assessments and you share it and how are we going to improve those and that sort of thing. I think we get really bogged down, like when Kelly's saying, I haven't, you know, done a playing test or whatever. Um, I think that we always think of it as like this big thing, this like summative thing that we're supposed to do. And what I think uh, is a lot more effective is if we can think about checking for understanding all along. And that doesn't always have to have a number affiliated with it. It doesn't always have to attach to the grade. That's probably a whole nother conversation. Um, but, you know, I feel like if the kids just kind of know that it naturally fits in with what we're doing instructional instructionally, it makes a lot more sense. Um, so, you know, if we have something that naturally fits with the what we're teaching, if we have something that respects our students, which we can start talking about that, especially for this year, totally different, right? Like, mm -hmm. and we have to step back and think, what? Why are we doing this? Like, with anything else we do, why am I doing this? Like, I've done that where we shut down the program for two days and hear people play those six measures, and then I'm right. like, why did I waste all that time? You know, like I there are other ways of doing it you know, why was that it, so important that it was yeah. worthy of right shutting down and i, and I think you know as we get to know our students and also know what they need and their backgrounds and what they're dealing with um you know assessment might not be at the forefront of what they need right now you know so i don't, I don't know where we really want to start with it but there's lots of angles we could we could take. Um, well, one thing I want to say, but we don't even have to talk about it. But like, I just want it on the record that I will forevermore refuse to have students record things for me during class in another room or at home. I have a problem with both. For me to then listen to during my lunch or before or after school or the weekend 
in order to save time. I firmly believe this is not what we should be doing. Like, I want to find a way that's manageable, you know? And, and I don't think adding more teacher time is manageable, but that feels like the solution that a lot of my colleagues have come up with and they're like pumped about it. I don't even know what the programs are called, like smart music or something. Yeah, like, I mean, I do. I mean, I have used smart music and the, the nice thing is you do have some sort of feedback because, you know, that's what we're really looking at, right? Feedback for us, feedback for the kids, a way to improve, but it doesn't have to be like shut yourself in a room and record yourself 500 times until it's perfect. Um, but, but I guess, you know, some people like that for me, I feel like it's just like a basic foundational level of what we're trying to assess because, or what we're really trying to work towards, maybe not even assess that higher aesthetic level. Um, because something like smart music, I mean, it's, it's a great tool and the middle school kids love it because they kind of feel like it's a video game with different levels and all this, but you know, it only, it really only assesses uh, pitch and rhythm. Right. So mm. that, that's great at the beginning, but we want to work well beyond that. Um, and right. It's like, just the wrong you know. tool for so, that desired outcome, which is more right. than notes and rhythm. Let right. me, um, let me just quickly interject. Um, first yeah. of all, I, I'm not going to be using smart music. I'm not going to be using any of these package deals. Um, no, um, I just, it, it's a commercial outfit, man. And like, no, but I will say I'm so with um, that. that when I was thrown into having to teach online for a year and a half, um, the only way that I could actually hear my students was to have them make a recording and send it to me. Um, sure. As opposed to telling them to unmute while in their room sure on a class of kids in place there's totally different. times that's appropriate i mean uh, i would like so, way too big of a generalization yeah i definitely so have I, kids like send me recordings every once in a while you know yeah yeah like if they're and asking so, me a specific question about something they want me to hear it totally totally i just mean it's yeah. like a regular practice for like ever yeah well and it does take away some of then, that it does take away some of the nervousness right it like does. It, yeah, it, yeah it can be the right um, thing sometimes and, and if it's like the right the right duration like you're not asking them to perform 80 measures you know mm. if it's a 12 measure thing you can be done in 10 minutes you know um honestly but i was faced and i was hinting at this before we hit go on um this live video today I was faced with um, us rolling around to the end of semester one and kind of looking at the grade book and going, oh, I haven't entered anything yet. <laughs> and um, So, you know, it's the end of the semester. The kids have already done like two concerts, totally nailed it, knocked it out of the park, like the best performing ever. Of any like group. it's an A for everybody. Yeah, totally. And, you know, and I'm like, I'm not doing participation grades anymore. Like, that's why everything was just like, it was a blank slate and I hadn't done any assessments yet. And we, of course, have to track data, which we can talk about later. But I was like, well, I better get something in there. So what I did was 
And, and I think this is actually kind of brilliant um, on a lot of levels. I'm so ready like, for it. You are like, brilliant, Beth, I'll tell you yeah, that. Okay. Here's and I'm like happened. so ready to say something when you're done that's I like, <laughs> I'm so with you, dude. Okay, listen to what I did. I can't wait. Now, caveat is that it did require the kids to record a video and submit it, but it was Such a 12 a measure video, okay? okay. So <laughs> the instruction to all of my students, no matter how beginner or no matter how fancy they are, they can be, you know, virtuoso violinist. They can be total beginner 12th grader that joined my ninth grade orchestra, whatever. Um, the direction was choose out of all the music you're playing right now. And that can be orchestra music, that can be musical music, or that can be solo music that you're working on. Of all the music you're working on right now, I want you to identify the 12 hardest measures. I want you to practice it until you have it down. I want you to take a video of yourself playing it. And then in the comments section, I would like you to write a paragraph about how you got from it being hard and not knowing how to play it very well to actually being able to play it as well as you did in the video. Love it. Love it. I mean, because you've already had the I love that. If we want to like go into standards and all that stuff, right? Like, I don't know, it's yeah. Friday night, but you know, you've already had the kids select the section, right? So they've had yeah. to like look through and kind of assess what do I know? What do I don't? There's that word assess. Um, yeah. And then, you know, they've had to figure out the process and the strategies they're going to use. And that's one of the things I used to do in middle school band. Like I had a strategy sheet and they would check off the boxes or circle or X highlight, whatever you want to do, put mm -hmm. your unicorn stickers on it. I don't care, you know, to say like what strategies you tried that week. And then there's a reflective part. And I think we want to get the kids thinking about what are things that we do that are what real artists do that we can take yep. and transfer to the other piece. It's not just like I spoon fed you this piece and now we're gonna start from scratch for the next piece. I'm gonna spoon feed you that. You know, it's not that it's gonna be like, hey, I learned something on my own. I had some time to think about it, reflect about it, write about it. And uh, I know now like what really works for me. I know what my favorite strategy was. I knew what my you know most effective strategy was. I know how to use the metronome. I know like tools, things like that. Um, and, and you know, it wasn't about like, how many do I have right? How many do I have wrong? Um, it's it's about me getting better, right? And this whole, we talked a little bit about before we took this slide that, you know, mastery in, in the arts world is becoming a little bit um, overrated, right? And it's even been, we've even heard that phrase, mastery is overrated. Yeah. Um, it's something I've talked a little bit with the dance, one of the dance faculty at UArts. Um, you know, we're really looking more for growth now. And so whatever these students can do to improve but you also gave them some choice. I like the fact that you differentiated, you yep. let them differentiate, right? We're doing yes. all the instruction. If we're gonna yep. differentiate the instruction, we need to differentiate the assessment. And it does not have to be stop everything, stop the world, we're doing a playing test. You know, it can be something that's a lot more natural and genuine to what we're doing and more aligns with artist and artistic practice that they're gonna take and use later on, you know? Yep. Um, 
So I think, I think that I, was a great, great thing. You know, I think that's the most yeah. genius thing I ever heard. You know, and, and I it, framed it. I, yes. framed it in, I framed it in this way where, okay, I'm going to describe the project that we're going to work on. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go home. You're going to go to your room. You're going to make yourself a cup of tea. You're going to grab your music get a pencil and you're going to just leaf through it and you're going to be thinking about your music and looking at it and you're going to pick the 12 hardest measures and you're going to circle that the 12 and, hardest for you yeah 12 hardest yeah. for you and you're going to circle those measures and then you're going to strategize about ways you're gonna what makes it hard for me how am i gonna hard. yeah yeah Right. And you're also talking about the individual, right? And after COVID and even without COVID, um, you know, without us seeing people and getting to know our students, and we know, you know, I think you both would agree with me that like building your rapport and getting to know our students is the most important thing always ever. Yeah. Right. And so I feel like, you know, we're letting them share a little bit about themselves. Um, we're letting them explore something about themselves, which totally is in align with our SEL goals and considerations. And, um, you know, I feel like, the, you know, we're able to learn a little bit more about the kids and their learning style um, and what they might need uh, to get further along in their musical path or musical yeah, journey. The responses were great, too. Um, yeah. What did they say? Down. And just it was demonstration of learning is what it was and yeah. then describing their learning. I wonder if there would be ways to have a concept like this be your entire grade book, but weave in other moments and other values. For example, there is the need, <clears throat> I would argue, um, to um, attach value to things like remembering to bring your instrument not losing your music putting that instrument to your body on a regular basis and making sound with it um you know those sort of nitty-gritty <laughs> i'm a musician details that we value as music teachers for practical reasons and um I think reasons that align with the national standards. Uh, I wonder if uh, you could infuse that same concept, con concept and values um, and mix them with concerts somehow or um, yeah. getting sight reading somehow. Like maybe there's a real elegant way to change, just change grade books across our practice using a simple template and concept like this, and then learning how we can morph it for now you have a concert coming up yeah. or, you know, these types of things. I'm like mm -hmm. really wanting to think about that a lot all of a sudden. That's cool, dude. Yeah, I was just thinking um, something you said. Um, I said a lot of things, I'm yeah, sorry. I'm gonna get a reverse, reverse. And I, got ex I got excited. The concept of like checklists and stuff. Yeah. As a, yeah. Assigning points. 
Yeah, um, I was going to say it doesn't always have to be something that's like a test. Yeah, we probably do want something that's like longer term summative, but I feel like our concerts are often that and maybe it's a reflection after that, something yeah. in, line, in the line of what Beth was saying with her genius idea. Um, but that's what we're going to call it now. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like we also put that pressure on ourselves, right? Is anybody coming to us saying you need to have a playing test every marking period? I mean, I, I think I never had anyone come to me and say, like, you need to. I did. Test. I feel like I feel like Beth and I shared a principal who really demanded that our and in way in us to look at our grade books in some ways that I really appreciated, like he wanted us to try and capture what was happening in our classrooms in a in a better way okay. and he really wanted us to get away from z giving zeros as a as a thing mm -hmm. because you know that like and at that time it was really new to be giving kids points for not doing something yeah instead yeah, yeah. of a zero because that leap from yes. you know a d to an f is not surmountable Right. If you just miss one thing, if you give them right. a zero, anyway, that's a whole other topic, but yeah. he really forced us to examine our grade books. So, mm -hmm. um, we were talking with our colleague, Carol Burton, and she gave us some great ideas and, and that was sort of our shared grade book concept mm -hmm. for eight years, but it's because it was demanded of us to do yeah. that. And we tried to find the best way. I am way more, uh, everyone gets an A kind of a gal. Yeah. And yeah. if we get to the place where you need something else, you'll have heard from me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I, I feel like, I feel like too, if we're really like differentiating, but also kind of personalizing, right? Like we're customizing so much in the world now, right? You can get yeah. your food delivered to your front door. However, you can get your vitamins customized. You can get your clothing picked out for you and delivered to your door. Like everything is instant and, you know, very individualized to you. And so I think the kids are used to that sort of world. Um, Flexible. And yeah. World. Yeah. And I feel like, um, you know, if we can get them to just show growth in where, where they came from walking into our room to where they leave, that's a huge step. And I think also you were talking Kelly about like, you know, how do you grade things? Well, I, I used to do like at the end of the semester, I would do like, I would have them play something and I would, you know, give some check marks and scores, a little rubric, that sort of thing, not overkill, but some sort of feedback to the student and to the parents too, because at that time I was in a district where the parents wanted to know like, hey, the money I'm putting forth to do this, like, what is it doing? And, and I get that. And it really got, it was really great for me to learn a little bit more about the kids playing and also their personalities, just spend a little mm -hmm. time one-on-one. But um, I would also put at the bottom, like I would just put down behaviors that, set students up for success in the music room. And those would be things like bringing your music, being prepared for class, being you know on time for class, engaged in class, that sort of thing. Like, so I put those down there. And so, so the parents would kind of see like, hmm, my kid got like really good scores on this, but then they like never bring their music. You know, at least it opens up a conversation. And even though we're not necessarily grading those behaviors, we're saying, hey, these are the things that musicians who are successful do you're showing so, your value yeah. system on that yeah paper which i think is like the whole end goal right but i also think about like 
<clears throat> how, well, first of all, I think what we were doing at Washington Middle School was the right thing for us to be doing at that time, mm -hmm. like for what we were trying to do and how we were trying to do it. But I don't think it would work anymore. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it would be the right thing to do anymore because- right things have changed and need to continue to change. And we've learned right. a lot more too. I think yeah. you and I are like yeah. you know, that much better educators at this point in our career. But I still always go back to the point. And I, this is what I really can't resolve is as a music teacher, just the practice of teaching music to be able to do that you are assessing constantly. constantly all the time. Yeah. Constantly yeah. and making differentiated adjustments constantly. constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And if you were to try and capture all of that, you would spend 40 hours a week teaching kids and 40 hours a week trying to catch that learning in your grade book because it is right. that much constant feedback loop right and right. that's so valuable and that's one of the most amazing things I think about the subject that we teach is our ability to do that and how that impacts our students and how that impacts the rest of their interactions and life and like, also the art that we produce right it impacts yes. the music we put out there um and the the art that the kids get to produce. And I think where we get hung up is this need to codify it and then put it into a grid on a grade book that then gets shown as a part of our teacher evaluation that yeah. we have this like spreadsheet that shows growth. And yeah. like people get like really bogged down in the minutia of that. Yeah, it and I think especially- I think especially some like newer teachers, you know, they're like, oh my God, mm -hmm. I have to show this evidence and I have the score and all this. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I have 139 pages over there on the Danielson framework and, yes. and uh, you know, but, uh, and, and I, I agree with a lot of it, but I think that when we get too bogged down in the details in an area that's aesthetic and should be aesthetic, and we're trying mm -hmm. to get our kids to play at this higher level, we just get so bogged down in numbers and having to produce this evidence. And yeah, there's probably some accountability there that we need to show and you know, people who do need, do need that evidence and it is great feedback, but I think that we can really do it in a more natural way. Oh, and yeah. just, we're already doing it constantly. So maybe just being a little bit more intentional about what we do. And like you were saying earlier, Beth, like maybe it's a checklist, maybe mm -hmm. it's a quick exit ticket. Maybe it's, uh, you know, something that's a lot smaller and a lot less time consuming on a regular basis. Uh, you know, if I have 110 kids in sixth grade band, which I did one year on my own, that's yeah. a lot of exit tickets, even for me to look at, but mm -hmm. I would do and that. It's just twice a month. It was quick. Yeah, it was quick. And I was like, oh, we got to work on that one. Cause that's, you know, everybody, everybody said they could approve on these 12 bars. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I just, I think too, we want the kids to leave our rooms every time feeling like, hey, I got better. I'm, I'm growing as a musician and maybe just as importantly, or maybe even more, I know what I need to do when I go home 
to practice on my own. Because I think a lot of kids don't know how to get better if we haven't taught them how to practice, we haven't like scaffold, scaffolded those um, skills, you know, yeah. for them to go home and, and know how to use those tools and know how to break it down. And so like that strategy list that, that I had them use, like I would model a lot of those in class and then they could take them home and do it, um, figure out which ones work best for them. Um, but it was little things along the way. It, it might even just be like question and answer a discussion. It doesn't have to be like, like we're saying, like stop time and fill in the, the data. Um, right. Okay. But here's the thing. And I know that's all true. And like, I know that we have to assess things. I know that it's not ever going to go away. Like the hippy dippy Kelly, Kelly world is, is a fantasy. I understand that I have to accept that I need to put numbers to things. Fine. Yeah. I don't want to, but fine. But what is the solution for those of us like me who cannot do this kind of thing? Like if I, here's the real information. It, when I go to conferences and I'm asked to fill out a response sheet, goes in the recycling. When I am like, when you can't leave without doing it, I do a thoughtful job and I'm the last one out of the room because for me, there's like either an all or nothing thing. So mm -hmm. if my teacher was giving me like a regular exit ticket, I would BS that thing. 99% of the time. Yeah. Because yeah. for me to really do it, it would be like a two hour ordeal. Because you think so much about it. I have a hard, really hard time with team building exercises for that same yeah. reason. Like if we start our faculty meetings at Jazz Ed where like each, each staff member will run it on like a rotation. And there's always some sort of like fun activity at the beginning. And it's my nightmare. And everyone knows that it's my nightmare. Everyone knows it. So when it was my turn, it was, um, uh, okay, two questions, everybody. Um, first, we're all gonna go around and we're gonna share what we were listening to on the drive to this meeting. And you're all gonna listen and think about that. And then we'll get back to number two. So everyone said what they listened to. And then I immediately had to assess because half of the people didn't listen to anything. And I was like, <laughs> the hell? And then, <laughs> uh, then it was a lot of podcasts. And I was like, okay, well, you just wrecked activity two, um, which <laughs> was going to be like, what sounded interesting to you that you didn't know about? And you're going to go home and you're going to listen to that music. That's what I had planned, but I immediately had to shift to not doing that. And I, I can't remember what I did, but I, there was some other learning thing that I just like made up at that moment. That's what music teachers do, right? Pivot real quick. That worked for my brain. Right. Last week, the team builder was, <laughs> tell me 10 songs that make up the soundtrack of your life. And I had a panic attack. Because oh it God. takes so much thought. Yeah. That's an important, <laughs> if I do what you're asking, 
that is an important soul searching activity that will require some alcohol. My bong will require hours of research. There will be crying. There will be laughing. I will be writing the story of my life or I can just like come up with 10 random things and I'll be like, right. Well, I think that's where choice comes in, right? Like, okay. Whole thing about like, we, we can't just have like, everyone's going to do this and turn it in. Right. Like it, that might work for us, but like, what about if we give some options? What about if we say you can do one of these three things and for that kid who wants to sit and record in their bedroom and dress up in costume and you see all sorts of weird things in these videos. I love this. Keep talking terrible. to me about this. Go. Like, you know, like they're in their Halloween costume. I'm like, wow. Um, Options. You know, going. it's entertaining at least. But, you know, like, I mean, maybe it's something like that or maybe it's, hey, I want to come in and like over my lunch and play it for you and just be like, you know, cool. Or, hey, like, let's let's just listen to everybody play a couple measures. Like we'll have our lesson sitting here and we're going to go through the piece and like you have measures one to eight, you have measures nine to 16, you have measures, whatever, we're all going to play at these numbers, you know, and we can hear everybody play a little bit, or maybe we do it in pairs. So it's not embarrassing or not singling anybody out. And we can still give some feedback and maybe even the kids will listen to each other and be like, Hey, you know, like I found this really worked for me, or you should use this alternate fingering or whatever to help you out. Um, I feel like it can be just as, informational for the students and for us um, without taking a lot of time and not being like stop, drop, you know, record um, your data. Sounds awesome and interactive. I like the ideas Uh, around choice. I guess it sounds like so much work, like a full-time job for one music teacher to figure out like a really round way to actually in the real world assess a music classroom yeah and I want someone to do it and I want it to be real good and I want us all to use it and give it to our administrators yeah yeah who's gonna do this do you think it's the record keeping for you that's the the bigger issue because yes. like for me it's like okay can I just like laminate like my friend Anne Bristler she would laminate the seating chart and just like mark on it, right? Every, this kid called, I would call them this kid, this kid took an appropriate risk, this kid participated, this kid has a question, this kid's absent. And then it was like, you'd record it somewhere when you had time and then just like wipe it clean and start over. You know, like, I I don't know if it's just like the timekeeping, the time-saving stuff for us, like the logistics of it, or is it the whole thing yeah, about the, the genuine, the genuineness of it uh, being it's musical? Very, it's for me, very yeah. deeply rooted in, I think there's something amiss here. Mm-hmm. Something stinks with this whole thing. I don't know what it is. I haven't figured it out yet. I've said some problems I have today, but well, I just think <laughs> the way most of us are doing it stinks a little bit. I, I don't know. You I know, Kelly. You know what's interesting? You know what it makes me think of a little bit is um, how you've moved into this like community organization teaching space, Mm -hmm. which is a very different teaching space than a public school. And you and the teachers at Jazz Ed are constantly assessing, but you are free from this need to 
have yeah, I haven't had a grade book you know? since Washington and there's yeah. been no learning loss yeah there, right. the tension but is better like I don't I think it's because kids are working on things that are real so like you know you you have your programs that you do and they're working towards um different things that they do in the community including performing not just performing but like mm -hmm. this jazz jam um project and stuff like that right. where it's this is real it's real stuff and they're doing it really in the community and well that's uh, a great yeah that's a good reminder yes i i had these feelings when we kept our kind of joint yeah but book. like why we created an efficient system right and I, I guess that's, I, go ahead sorry it's one of my big you know problems with public school music is our need yeah. to have this paper trail and this like record of everything and yeah. we are doing amazing things on the daily you know what I mean yeah. but, um things move kind of you know on a continuum of time and kids are not necessarily turning in like an assignment they did or a paper they wrote it is something that happens over a continuum of time. So it feels really contrived when yes. we have to come up with some type of half sheet, like yes. exit ticket, you know? I think, I think too, like, yeah, I think that's why a lot of people, you know, why a long time ago started doing portfolios and that sort of thing, right? So it was mm -hmm. like the snapshot at different times during the student's life, you know, musical journey and how they how they sounded how they grew i'm also thinking like kelly in the community thing you know we could we could talk about the big m word right motivation mm -hmm. it's probably a lot we know that younger kids we know the research shows younger kids need more extrinsic motivation the older kids it's a little bit more intrinsic probably after they've gone through all this stuff and i also say for the younger kids it's more mechanical it's mechanical first then musical right and so it might be easier to assess things that are mechanical because it's like okay notes rhythms what have you i you know, think all then, of that's true but then we need to get to this point where it is extrinsic and it's like okay i don't have to have the grade the test the anxiety driving me to practice that i actually take pleasure in this that i know what works for me i'm able to have choice in what i want to play um you know and i'm part of something it. cool I think part of it is I'm part of something cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to do a good job for these people in my community that I'm doing this with and for. Right. And I think that's like the intrinsic type of motivation that it honestly changes people's lives. That when kids get a taste of that, these are the kids that go to school to study music. These are the kids that want to become music teachers or be involved in our music making community when they leave our classroom. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think I think too um if you can create I mean it's not the same as the outside community. But the community that you build in your classroom is so crucial too, right? I mean mm -hmm. it's it's like if the kids feel like they're part of this bigger thing then they want to do well not only for themselves but for each other um yes, I, I remember the year i remember the year i had gone on sabbatical and i came back and my eighth grade band was like a little bit smaller which was you know 
fine. And I dealt with that. And that's kind of what happens if you leave for a year, right? Like some, your numbers might go down a little bit, but like there were maybe two kids in the, that band who weren't that serious. They were probably there more for like social reasons and that's fine too, but they were not going to be embarrassed. You know, like they were down there practicing their butts off because kind of the community was like, Hey, we want to sound the best we can sound. And also they were, were on a little bit more exposed parts um than regular concert band with like 10 people playing the same thing so you know maybe a little peer pressure and of course we want the peer pressure to work for us not against us but in a positive way you know and and so i think it can also be a little bit of how you set up that that um culture and kind of the climate within your program um it doesn't yeah, have I mean, be like test can, test test you know yeah it can go you know real askew sometimes in community ensembles as well. Like if we're talking about um, a lot of different like youth symphony organizations, um, it is highly, highly, highly toxic, competitive auditioning. If you miss an on, if you miss a rehearsal, you lose your seat and have to re-audition. If you- Dude, can I just, I mean, can we talk about this little idea for a minute because um, there are several things that are like bubbling in my brain right now. I can but tell you, when you just said that, I was like, ready, aim, blast off. Um, okay. Okay. I, now my sample set is different than your all's. I, the two classes that I have taught for the last, since I left Washington, I don't know, uh, six years for the last six years is a high school all-girl jazz ensemble yes and a class for eight month olds to five-year-olds where i have a piano accompanist and an adult comes with the kid so mm -hmm. i realize and these are both opt-in outside of school ensembles mm -hmm. yep. however yep even though that is so different than what's going on, uh, I still think that the assessment thing is completely unnecessary. And I wanna talk about why later, because first, holy moly, bro, this whole like, you missed two, two rehearsals, you're kicked out, you gotta re-audition for your spot, and that includes school music. Yeah, it includes. I have been heated about that. that. The kid missed the rehearsal to do. I've been heated about that for like 30 years. But here's, <laughs> so this is how different Kelly does it. Okay, so this gig you mentioned, Beth, where the, right. uh, the girls in two weeks, and this is what I was interviewed about this morning. I hope there's like a cool little blurb that comes out in the press about it that I can share around because I'm like really excited about this thing we're trying to do anyway it's a big it's a big project it's a culminating sort of performance ish thing it's a jam session it's a culminating project with the girl band and like our musings about what jazz sessions jam sessions might could maybe look like it's like a really dope thing right my own daughter who's in the class cannot attend 
and, and, a, and a couple other students can't attend because their school band concert was recently rescheduled. Like it was just rescheduled like two weeks ago, super last minute, right? I could push back. I would probably be right to do so. Um, like, whoa, dude, this has been on the calendar. No piece of me wanted to do that. Here's when the when a parent of another Garfield student wrote to me, I'm so sorry, my student's going to miss. I just, I hadn't really even considered it. And then I responded, absolutely no problem. Yeah. School comes first. Please don't have her yeah. try and come late. I want her to stay and support her peers. Yeah. I will be finding a way to include her voice and I'll make sure to loop with her about that at Tuesday's rehearsal. Oh, that is like so the right answer. And it's uh -huh. the same with Wintergrass. I mean, it was during our break. There were kids who were out of town. We're coming out of COVID. We're coming out of COVID. Having these types of expectations on kids, especially now, I'm sorry. Yeah, but dude, I think a lot of grade books and a lot of uh, rubrics out there still would say well, I mean, and with grading, what I did was wrong mm. well you know we used to work a lot with the community organizations so if it if whether it be Philadelphia Boys Choir I mean he always worked with us to make sure our students you know were where they needed to be and we would we would always like cross check calendars you know that was the eight calendar school um but also you know, just being flexible, like, hey, if we had a dress rehearsal and there was also a dance recital, which often happens in May, that, you know, somebody, we would maybe move something later on so that that person could come in probably in full costume um, from their dance recital and be able to play their timpani part, you know? So I, I just feel like it's, it's kind of a give and take both ways. Um, yeah. yeah, like, shouldn't we do everything we can to set it up for success mm -hmm. and then if something happens work with it well yeah you have to be flexible it can't just be what? like my program my thing you know like yeah and it's it's also the currency of the kid right I always I always say what's the kid's currency you know you need to know that mm -hmm. uh, so that you can work out something um we one year we knew that there were always soccer practices or tryouts the same time as our concert and the soccer coach actually said we're going to move our tryouts I was like oh my god <laughs> you know it was so cool yeah. but we had but we had parents who were communicating and we had students who were communicating and we kind of were always in conversation about what else is on the calendar what what's going on in the community you can't just be like I'm in this brick wall and I don't connect to anyone outside you just you just can't do that well, um, and it's yeah. also just it it cr creates children needing to make really yes yucky choices that they shouldn't have to make yeah. and putting the kids in the middle yep so yeah, having, yucky, having to yeah. having to risk like losing stature not yeah. because of how they like perform but because they yeah. were serving their school program that day and like I don't know, feeling just, like they're letting you down is enough of a load for them yeah, to yeah, yeah. build a really toxic like type of relationship with those kids where they know they're letting you down but they also don't want to risk losing their stature and the fact that there is stature <laughs> like yeah. rent seating and stuff like that i have i have a problem with that 
And that yeah. all is tied into assessment too. I mean, mm-hmm. and like, especially right now, folks, we are coming out of COVID. There is more anxiety, more depression, more um, kids not like coming to class, more kids um, simply having like breakdowns. And like this year in one of my classes, I've had two kids go out on long-term needing to go into a residential mental health hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is happening right now. And I wondered if I needed my own little overnight too, same. Teachers too. <laughs> and teachers too. And, yeah. and yeah. then all of the same requirements of pre-COVID on them academically test, like standardized testing wise, it's all the same. It's all the same BS that they've always had to hoop jump through, which we always knew was bad before COVID. We put it on pause. We gave them this indicator that we finally care about who you actually are. We put things on pause. We eliminate tons and tons of stuff from kids and their list of things that they need to be doing. And then all of a sudden we come back to in-person and pile it back on, but we shorten the timeline. Just kidding. Didn't care about it. Hey, it's back to normal. (laughs) And we shorten the timeline because well, we didn't get to do SAT last spring. So we're going to do it this fall and like put all of this back on the kids and all of this is on their shoulders. I mean, frankly, when they come to my class, we're going to play music and we're going to enjoy ourselves. We're going to learn about it. We're going to have community about it. We're going to perform. We're going to have fun. And that is my purpose right now. Right. I do not care if you can play a three octave scale. Yeah. And I think even if you're normally doing that in your program, you have to ramp up to that. You can't go back from right. like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when people do the makeover on the TikTok videos and they're like, I look like this in my pajamas. And then it's like, you hide the camera, you come back and I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm a beauty queen, right? It's like, guess what? We're back from COVID, we're back to normal. Like we're really not, right? We have kids having anxiety just about taking the masks off now. Like, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. one yeah. of my students, even one of my horn students, my private private students was like, I had never seen that kid, like his face, you know, I didn't know he had braces, you know, like it's this whole like awakening for them, which is really cool. And everybody likes that we're getting back to kind of like this, like what was like the, our norm before, but it still has some uncertainty and anxiety for a lot of kids. And it's, it's a transition, right? And it's also a bait switch. Yeah. They they were shown this much more wonderful, like list of demands and then all of a sudden it's back at it but 10 times more yeah yeah and I think when you're coming back from it it probably just like COVID kind of magnified a lot of things for all of us it's like any sort of transition back is magnified now yeah Um, because coming back from like oh it's okay you don't need to do this you know but yeah it's crazy stuff and it all plays into assessment and it's just like, um, you know, I don't know about any of you listening right now or listening later, but I don't know. Have you been thinking about your assessment? Yeah. And, and I think too, like we have to think about why, 
why yeah. we're assessing, what exactly are we assessing? Do we need to do it the way we've always done it? Are there different ways for you to get the information you need about the students playing? Um, and is there a way for you to give feedback? Like we're saying, we do this on a continuous cycle. Um, we don't necessarily have to give a playing test. Yeah, we have all the formal structures and what we've learned in school about, you know, formative and summative assessment. We know best practices and all that stuff. But when we get actually in the room, like how much time do you have for, for 110 kids in sixth grade band? I don't have a lot. You know, I want to I want to be able to give some feedback to each kid and help them. Maybe it's like one of my one of my colleagues, Greg Eskin, he was actually taking the music and he would just like kind of circle areas they needed to work on from his iPad, printed out like, hey, here's some practice spots for you, you know, and maybe we want the kids to start to be able to, like you're saying, you know, Beth, from your genius idea, <laughs> you know, like, what are the 12 hardest measures for me? And then how can I make that better? That's really mm -hmm. what we want them to do in the end, right? And, mm -hmm. and sometimes how can I make that better? A strategy would be, I'm going to ask Miss Fortune about that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Ask, ask the, the expert, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and really, it's all about developing those skills so that they can learn something later. Like they mm -hmm. leave our program there in college at the college orchestra or whatever, or they start a rock band and they want to learn this Zeppelin riff or whatever. Yeah. It's, or we're it's sitting on the sitting on the symphony board and we're, you know, with our big company and we want to be able to talk intelligently about music. Right, right. You know? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so it's, it's all, I mean, the question we ask ourselves is what exactly do we care about here? And um, yes, I, I totally agree with you, Jenny, about the mechanical thing in the beginning level. Right. right. Yeah. yeah, totally. It's, yes. it's the squeak and squawk fest and we're playing boil yeah. them couches down. Sounds. And, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, um, it's, you know, it's really cute and fun that, you know, their first, their first playing test is, but then when we get into that the, like, per that's perfect, right? <laughs> yeah, when we get into older kids and yeah. how they, how they are playing and how they are growing as musicians, um, you know, and I, I've said this on other episodes too. There are several kids in my top ensemble who are better violinists than me. Uh -huh. um, and I am not here to tell that person how to play the violin. Okay. I'm right. not Why going do we to feel play. like we need to pretend that we have to. No. Right. And right. Whereas I can advise on ensemble leadership, I can advise on literature that's appropriate for this group and all of the, so many other things as the music educator in the room. But I think just a general moving away from this like mechanical technicality stuff mm -hmm. with kids who are older and who have this ability to, I mean, self-assess, it's like, what is actually valuable here that right. they, know how to find something that's hard and then attack it so that they can be successful. Right. Well, and like you're saying too, we're talking about growth, really. Mm -hmm. We're talking about making music. 
We're talking mm-hmm. about getting to that higher aesthetic level. And we're talking about like feeling good about ourselves. And, and I think taking yeah. time, another thing is just taking time to celebrate the success because if yeah. we're always nitpicking, nitpicking, you know, that it's like the kids still want to know, like we did a great job, even if they're 18, you know, have right. we, they right. Do. So we need to tell them. And, and they also need to feel like it was a great experience and a great concert. Like, yeah, we really nailed that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Instead of just like, what was wrong? And that, that in and of itself is a huge hump to get over. Mm-hmm. And Jenny and Kelly are both keenly aware about, you know, how my period of getting comfortable in the position that I'm in, um, it started out extremely toxic where the kids didn't think that they were doing good no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and just even like teaching them the ability to be proud of their work mm. is worthy of like accolades, it's worthy of being written down and put in your teacher evaluation. It's assessment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's growth. Yeah. And I think just, you know, the bigger takeaway is just like assessment doesn't have to look like what we traditionally think it does. Right. You know? And it's also like Kelly, what you're saying, like, what's your teaching style? What fits within your personality too? Um, because although we might have guidelines and benchmarks and things we need to prepare them for to, before they move on, like, what what really matches what I'm doing in the classroom, what's authentic to the student, what's respectful and honest feedback for them. Um, yeah, I think there's so much, so many other things to think about than just the numbers. And it's just like, what's real? Mm-hmm. What's real? Right. What's an actual thing and not just like a form to fill out and then put in a file cabinet and never look at it again. Exactly. <laughs> You mean the, uh, what do they call it? The circular file cabinet? <laughs> I don't have time for this. Yeah. As one of my colleagues used to say, let me clean my desk and just take a sweeping motion and throw it all into the circular file. Yeah. Yep. A million thanks to our listeners, followers, and subscribers. The support we receive monetarily and otherwise helps us to be able to spend time creating a quality product, and it allows us to tap into partnerships and resources to which we wouldn't normally have access. We are stoked about the journey of learning we have ahead of us, and we are delighted you've decided to join.